Welcome design dreamers and AI enthusiasts. I'm Amin, the host of your show, brought to you by the Design Studio Vienna Architect. Today, I am on another exciting episode of Design and Dreams, and together we'll be diving deep into the fascinating world of AI in architecture. And I'm joined by two brilliant minds, Moritz and Patrick. You already know Moritz. Patrick is a new voice, a new person, a real person. You'll hear more about him in a future episode. But for now, let's unravel the captivating story involving AI in a dystopian future and the intricate dance between humanity and artificial intelligence in the movie The Creator by Gareth Edwards. It's in the movies right now, so watch out for spoiler alerts if you haven't watched it yet. And if you did, I'd love to hear from you in the comment section or send us an email at uh, aka.vienna.architect.com. You can reach us on Instagram, of course. All the links in the show notes. It's not all about fiction, but we delve into the real-world implication of AI in architecture. Is it a tool for inspiration, a lazy shortcut, or a potential for maybe job replacements of architects? Uh, Moritz and Patrick have their insights. I have mine. I will be sharing them. Uh, we're going to be touching on the importance of retaining the core skills of drawing and thinking three-dimensionally amidst the AI revolution. We also explore the impact of AI on design process in general. Uh, does it save time, allowing us to focus more on the creative aspects, or does it risk overshadowing the essence of uh, human thought in architecture? Very exciting topics. Join us as we reflect on the ever-changing landscape of architecture, the influence of AI, and the delicate balance between human creativity and technological advancements. It's a journey into the future uh, filled with uh, thought-provoking insights and unexpected twists. I'm personally super excited about what's ahead of us. I can't wait to use more AI and uh, put on the Apple Vision Pro and improve my design process at Vienna Architect by, I don't know, a million? <laughs> so grab your favorite beverage, settle in, and let's embark on this captivating exploration on your favorite show, Designing Dreams. Stay tuned until the end. The conversation takes unexpected turns, as always, since the Christmas time is coming and uh, Everyone wants to stay at home with their families. I'll have some episodes on my own, talking to you, telling you about a few designs I've prepared to share with you. More on that on Instagram also. All right, enough from me now. Enjoy the show. The creator was about AI. In the future, I don't know, 20... 2065. Yeah. yeah. And it was about AI dropped a nuclear bomb to onto, I think, LA or something. And then the US government started an all-out war against AI on the whole world. And the last resistance, basically, of the AI war lived in New Asia. And then the US military basically built a huge space station that can fire some destructive rockets, which blow up whole cities. Uh, they also create like special forces in the military to hunt AI. And Niamata, the creator of the AI, was the main target of the US military. And he fled basically all the time. 
and an undercover agent yeah. played into this and then there was like a child which was the main weapon the most advanced ai yeah how was how was the i saw a trailer i believe mm -hmm. i didn't watch the movie yeah. all spoiler alert for everyone how was the architecture shown in in this dystopian future mm. did you like it or what's your what's your opinion on it was modern as a like futuristic cyberpunk industrial it was full of concrete mm. there Steel. weren't any plants or some greenery and Code. And like huge cities with like, they just went into the vertical axis and built in the sky. But uh, what I thought was a nice contrast was um, some industrial cold houses for farmers and then the rice fields like Vietnam besides them. And it was quite funny that AI was living there mm. with nature. Spoiler alert, plot twist was that the reason for the atomic bomb to explode was a human error, right? And not mm. the intention of AI. It was also quite interesting to see the relationship between those humans who were left with AI and still believed that AI was the evolution of humanity and the other side, like those humans who, who start trusting AI and start raping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite complicated at the beginning. Oh, yes. There were many jumps forward and back. But yeah, quite, quite nice. Yeah, it, it was one way to look into the future. Somehow. Are you more an optimistic or pessimistic person when looking into the future, when, when thinking about AI and the use of artificial intelligence in general? I think we should be optimistic looking into the future because otherwise it we manifest the negative, right? So we have to focus on the good sides and try to stay on the good sides and avoid bad sides of AI and yeah, maybe not create AI what we don't want it to be somehow and just take it as advantage to better our lives somehow, right? We talked about the use of AI, inspiration tool. I mean, when I studied architecture, there was no such thing. I mean, the most advanced tool was the computer but today yeah. studying with mid-journey must be like mind expanding because you get an idea in, into a photorealistic format so fast that you i guess you think differently is is that so are you conscious of that tool that is working with you constantly or it doesn't change anyway your <coughs> your design I, process maybe it would in in the future but I, I don't necessarily think it's the it's a bad thing because what stays with us is thought and motivation to build something. The willpower and yeah, yeah, yeah. the essence of building something is still within us and not in AI. AI just helps us or can create something, but it has to get an input, right? Like here. Build me a city with lots of greenery. Also, the decisions is still yes yeah. done by humans. If we use what we see, when we like imagine some prompts, or if we prompt something, we can still decide: Do we use it? What kind of aspect of this image do we use? It's not done. It's just an idea, like a thought. Yeah, I mean, I remember that what 15 years ago when I was studying 
creating renders for each studio mm. was a big goal. You spend so many weeks, you know, trying to find the, the volumes, the shapes, and then you, you spend so much time drawing up the plans. And then you're like, oh yeah, and I still want to do the model and then the 3D rendering. And in, in the end, you often don't have the time to do the renderings. And some smart students said, okay, I'm going to start with Revit or Archicad or programs that already create a 3D model from scratch or Grasshopper combined with coding. And they would end up with like cooler renders because they had some and <laughs> my posters didn't have or just had drawings or I learned to create renders with collage. And, and that's like, that could be changed forever because you don't even think about doing renders because you just need to prompt correctly what your design is about and then use the image the generated image from AI as not only the inspiration, but almost like the goal you want your plans to go towards to, right? Is, is, is that so? Or are we just like imagining? It? And when I say we, like people who learn it my way, like draw the plans and then th the 3D model and then the image. And now you have a 3D image in the process, you have almost in the beginning. Do you think that could evolve like this or are you just like, or am I like implanting a bad idea in your brain right now? <laughs> like, oh, that's smart, actually. <laughs> you we are in the midst of the creation of these tools, basically. So we didn't get introduced in the university that a professor came to us. You can use this and that and that's how it works. We basically work with Revit still and we still do renderings in there and to be honest, you just gave me the idea last week that I could use, let's say, Midjourney for the design process or for the renderings. If I take my 3D model out of Revit, take a snapshot, put it in Midjourney, and then say, like, I don't know, rainforest background something, then yeah, it just could give me that. Yeah. So do, do you see it as a forbidden hack? I really, I'm really interested in the way you look at it, you know, because I've, I've been following it from the, the beginning, from the early versions of DALI, mm -hmm. the, the image creation tool of uh, OpenAI, and I saw how bad it was, and I saw the evolution, I saw the mid-journey, I don't know the version's name, of like 3, 4, now it's 5, 5.2, mm -hmm. and I'm just blown away. Like every morning when I, and I, I have a, a list of prompts that I want to try, and to perfect the prompting. And, and I'm focusing a lot on the description side of how we see architecture because the language, the, the semantic of the prompting should be your property somehow and not the result. And, and I'm interested in how you look at it as a tool that is now almost like amazing, you know, it's almost perfect. Is that something that's just too good to be true or and, and looks hard or is it something that is very approachable? Like you, you used it in the past week, right? Yeah, I think it is approachable. Like you explained, you just have to type in what you imagine and that's basically the magic. If you find the right words, then you can create the exact image or a likewise image that you imagine in your head. What prompts did you try? Basically, uh, like a variety, but I tried, for example, a chrome kitchen, wooden floor, gothic house, plants or something. And then it just created a photorealistic version for, basically, if you prompt something, you always get four pictures and then you can choose 
and upscale or vary and so on and can did, did you try the the command describe do you know you heard of yeah. that mm -mm. that's so weird because you you basically uh, you can put in a hand sketch mm -hmm. or a picture of a, a leaf of a plant or something like a, a photo basically yeah. and it will describe and it will give you four versions of a prompt mm -hmm. and you can learn from that prompting like the way Midjourney would describe that and then add your own like special commands like the inspiration or I always use cinematographers and, and, and that's why I'm so interested in, in cinema and movies because Midjourney is able to imitate the style of that movie to yeah. create similar dystopian architecture than in the movie mm -hmm. but you can always change that describe is so powerful because you just put an image and then it gives you four ways to describe that image and then you can add to it whatever is missing basically yeah. more greenery or you know sunlight or it's a, it's another level i hope you can try it out this Absolutely. week yeah i'm looking forward to um, trying it with like university 3d models so just to get a feeling of how it could look like in different um, regions basically yeah yeah i think that's also great you <laughs> showed me last time and i was like a bit buff so yeah oh, i'm gonna lose my i, I already lose my job so before i even attended it right so this is really a thought that goes but through your mind that losing yeah, your job in one way but in another in the other way as i said the thought is still our property and and we are giving the commands and we are optimizing as we are intending it for humans to to work keep. best yeah 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 we talked a lot about how architecture is like really made mm -hmm. when i was studying i always thought the architect is the one responsible for other people and how a project will mm -hmm. look like how it will en end up be built and with my experience i learned well i forgot that was the client the client can be an individual wanting to build his home his house redoing his apartment but also a developer and they have other interests like yeah. you you always mentioned the economical mm -hmm. constraint of having it as cheap as possible or as efficient as possible and that's what opened my mind like oh mm -hmm. the architect is not the one that yeah. is initiating the project yeah. he's the enabler he's the one that takes into account cultural setting the local setting the environment and all the prerequisites for green ecological buildings or efficient buildings and also cheap buildings sometimes depending on where you're going to put your apartments in which district of the city or which city which region of the world so i don't think we're going to lose our jobs because of mid-journey yeah. uh, i think it empowers what we talked about last week or a week earlier maybe what, what we said about it allows us as architects to show a possible result mm -hmm. at every stage of the design process so basically yeah. you are now you have a, a, a studio a design task and you can basically right now create 20 versions of that studio to go into one direction and i think it's great because it helps students to define even more clearly their own liking i think if you get 
hundred different styles of a specific building type. You're able to say, I don't like this one, and these are all in this direction. And the more you do that, the clearer your style is going to be defined. Like, I've seen that, I know I don't like it, so I'm going to try to avoid it in the next prompt. Yeah. So it, it makes you, like, you know, focus in your own niche and bubble, maybe, of your own style, which I think is not bad, yeah. per se. You can still have, be open-minded and look at other things, but doing your own thing, knowing what you like and what you do makes you more specialized and do what you love way better. So I don't think that AI re, like is able to replace that, yeah. you know, that decision-making of what's your style. I love many of the dystopian architecture that I see in Blade Runner yeah. and things like it. Beautiful shapes of buildings, of course, because they're done now by, by designers, world creators, game developers that are, they don't have any of those constraints. They just build shapes and buildings that are really beautiful to the eye. And the fact that it's in concrete is just because it's a dystopian world in 2065. Yeah. I think that, that spaceship that that kills the AI from, from space is beautiful, but it's yeah, probably it's never great. going to be built like that yeah, because sure. that's because not game developers or architects or designers are in charge of creating these stations, but engineers working for NASA that has a budget and has complicated structures and, and the laws of physics and the laws of <laughs> physics too, maybe. <laughs> And also, you know, it's like it's taxpayer money. So it's interesting how we are afraid of a future that is impossible to happen when, when we look at it in those movies. Yeah. But the, the, the challenge is to, to make things better as we know them now. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it will be interesting how the future world will look like, especially if we take these things into account. Mm. Right? That there won't be like megastructures who are two kilometers tall and 500 meters wide and just concrete pure and this like a vertical slum or something. Probably not gonna happen. No, probably not. Any other movies where you have great architecture you can recommend to listen? I always thought that Black Panther, Wakanda has some interesting architecture because you see they just let their minds run basically and create whatever they wanted like the futuristic skyscraper style and also like Blade Runner, very amazing. Maybe even Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have one, Patrick, that, a special one that no, you love? No, but I would have a question in the, in the conversation. How important, just to stay in the topic of AI, how important it is that architecture students still learn how to draw and think with a pen and paper because I think it's very much important because yeah you learn how to think three-dimensionally and you learn how to design in, in such a way in, in my opinion you could never with just AI and just computer John Peterson once said that you only learn to think with having an, a conversation with someone or with yourself and the only way to have a, con a conversation with yourself properly is to write write something down and think about those arguments and so on and so forth. And I think in architecture and thinking three-dimensionally and thinking outside of the box, it is very important for us to stay with a pencil and paper. How, how about you? How, how, I, I totally agree with you. And pen and paper is the basis. It's easy. You know, it's like when I 
when I try to convince friends to go on a run with me, like, oh, it's too boring, but I'd love to go to the gym. Yeah, start with running because that's the very basic. You just need your legs mm. and shoes, <laughs> but that's it. And the movement is so natural. That's the first thing you learned when you were a baby. So uh, saying now that you don't want to go running is like saying, that you as a baby, you were making the bad choice. So <laughs> it's wrong. But so learn to run and then go to the gym. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> you need some cardio to go to the gym. I'm so in line with that thinking that writing is the first step to get your thoughts extracted onto paper, to be able to look at them, reread them, to have that reflection coming back to you when you read it. It's other than when you say it. this exercise of a podcast is a lot about that. For me, writing in preparation of an episode, it's kind of, I have extracted it at some point, like a, a thin thread that I take out of my mind and then I put it on paper and reread it. And then I come to you and I start talking and then I actually read it in my mind as it, mm -hmm. because I typed it or I wrote it down. Sketching in architecture is the same as writing with your thoughts. I think that there's a lot of truth in it, I'm, but I'm, I'm not completely sure. Writing has another impact on, at least for me, on my thoughts uh, than sketching. It's weird. I, I don't know why. And that's why I'm so interested in mid-journey because mid-journey works like that. You have to write it yeah. mm -hmm. and you have to think of the words to describe it and you learn to describe it in a more concise way and you kind of target the image in your head. You describe the thing so that someone else would understand it, mm -hmm. but also like a machine is able to understand it. That, yeah. There's something powerful about that. Yeah. And I use mid-journey for with sketches just as much like... No, I would say with text more than with sketches because mm. it's kind of easy at the process. But when I sketch at work and I want to jump all those steps of like have a clean plan and then put it in 3D and then render, choose the materials, the jump is incredible because I just do a picture with my phone. I have it right there. I type describe and it describes the sketch and then I have an image that can help me develop my sketch further. Okay. You already have the knowledge and the, the experience of thinking and designing on paper beforehand and you have the knowledge on how things work beforehand. Yeah, I, I agree with you and you, your question was how important is it for students to learn to draw yeah. and sketch their thoughts and then move on to these tools. I, I don't have the answer to it. That's why I was asking you in the beginning, how do you see that tool? Does it feel like something wrong? to use now because you're not ready for it? Or is it something that you could implement? Like, does it help you to see the design process differently? And is the design process going to change because of the availability of these kind of tools? Or do you think, well, we are going to use it now, but I still feel the need to write down my thoughts and to sketch out my ideas and to sketch buildings, but I will always have this you know, this super powerful tool on the side to like go straight to a photorealistic image of my thought. Like I'm very interested in that. I don't have the answer to it. Yeah. I don't know. I think that when learning, you should definitely go the hard path and write a lot and sketch a lot. But it's like, it's weird. It's there. <laughs> What you do, you say no. Yeah. Or like, it's a weird time to have that 
available. And maybe it won't stay like that. Maybe they have to shut it down at some point to yeah. avoid movies like the ones we see. <laughs> there always has been movies that show the, the, the worst um, evolution of an idea, yeah. such mm -hmm. as computers or robots or AI now. Obviously, it didn't really stop people of, of using it. When it's an improvement or when it's a shortcut of some sort, it ends up being used, weirdly. Yeah. And things like end up fine somehow yeah. for most of the people, not, not all of them. So, yeah, I think it's weird times to be experimenting. Definitely. And when you use prompts, it is like a conversation with yourself, as you mentioned. Uh, mentioned because yeah. you have to describe your thought exactly as text and uh, for me personally this kind of a conversation with myself because if you imagine let's say a room with this and that you won't go into a detailed thought how is it exactly you just have like a blurry picture that you could yeah, that looks like that and then you have to write it down and all of a sudden okay Wooden floor, what else should I do? Like, mm -hmm. It gets really hard, really fast. And that is maybe a skill that can be developed to get precise in your thought process. Absolutely, yeah. And then understand your designs better. So, in the office I work at, I don't really use mid-journey. Like, we're still doing it in the classical way. Mid-journey is so avant-garde that it didn't even enter the process at the office. But when I do a design for a new room, I actually have to sketch. And then I have those little annotations and a precise description of what it is. So basically, and, and that's how I got so interested in my journey. Wait, first of all, it's way less describing. There's the whole sketching that that is simplified, at least. The AI is able to recognize from fewer lines what the intent is and it helps me with just those four variations come up with oh what these four lines could actually mean is it a plant pot or is it a piece of a wall is it you know so it's like oh yeah what if that was a plant pot you know, what if that was actually a window inside the room you know it triggers a, some variations in my own head i'm not like finished like okay this is the result of my journey this is how it should be done so when i design now i do a sketch of a room i know where if in the floor plan very often but then very quickly actually in 3d so i take into account the ceiling the walls the windows and i describe the walls white painted wall and i have to have all those descriptions because this is going to go to someone who's going to list all the works that have to be done in that room so the wall has to be plastered the floor there's a wood floor there's a a plinth at the wall that's a socket that's this brand this product this color the floor is a wooden floor this is the width this is the length this is the wood type this is the color of the wood there's so much description in it this is the kitchen these are the appliances there's so much to describe so Having a photorealistic version of it is so much help. Yeah. So and much help. It, it also saves time in some way, right? And gives you this time you saved back to the design process. Absolutely, and, yeah. And more focus on the design process. The question was always when technology helps us do something faster, mm -hmm. where does the time 
mm. one actually go to? Uh, uh, do more of the same or do better things? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's going to be interesting in our job. I don't think we're going to run out of work because someone still has to build that image. Mm. And like I can tell you from my experience, since I don't know, 10, 15 years, we have Pinterest. And clients come to architecture office very often with a ready mood board with Pinterest image all over the place, like 20 different kitchen and window. It's hard to distill the information that they like. And it's a big exercise that I would love to offer at some point to students, coworkers, employees, but also like clients. I want to help clients describe better what they like. I think that's the furthest goal achievable because mm -hmm. They are not spending 10 years studying that uh, and, and they don't need to. They build one home or maybe two and then very often the second home they build the same or exactly the opposite of what they built the first time. So they either know how to describe it because they want it the same or they learn that they need to describe it better. But for, for starters, it's like hopeless. But for architects and interior designers, learning to describe what you want to offer, propose, and to understand what clients wish to achieve with a few images, that's, yes. a, that's a huge skill. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't know, do you use Pinterest? We use it in the city development studio for different color grids and surfaces. I used to have like cutouts from magazines and like folders full. How do you do it today? Do you have a, a collection of things that you like? Or how, how do you like to come back to that question of defining your style and how do you search for inspiration? No, not, not just search, but, but like, I don't know, you go, you travel to some city and you have, you see beautiful things. How do you store them? Or, mm. Well, you have a folder on your Mac and you save all those images that you love or? No, not really. I don't have it personally. I would say I'm still in the finding process of my style and always start from scratch, I guess. Mm, yeah. So, so I didn't store so you're not a, a lot of things. You're yet. not a collector. No. I don't need either, I think. The only thing is that I know some architects or which style I really like and see how some things I could implement in another way. Or I have magazines, we have magazines here at our home, which are inspirational. Yeah, so, I, last week I saw the, the local project, yeah. great inspiration. Yeah, very beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that should be enough. <laughs> Basically, I will, I will. We will put that in the show notes because that's the most beautiful inspiration mm. that I've found in the past twenty years. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's because of the cinematography of mm. the videos on YouTube or the book is fine too, but I think the videos are on another level. Yeah. And and of course the architecture that is presented and the interior designs mostly I I was I was so happy when I found that I was like oh this is it this is this is what this is me this is my style yeah. this is what I love and that comes back to yeah the internet and the availability of pictures and videos mm -hmm. and you have so many things so fast I don't think it's very maybe it's not very necessary to store things. Mm -hmm. because you have everything available in, on the internet. If you like something, you will remember it pro 
probably, and your style also changes in in, in, yeah. way, in time, right? For me also, a tactic was to go on Arch Daily and search. In July, I had my first internship at the office, and my job was to design the doctor's office. And then I just went on Arch Daily, doctor's office basically, and then I looked through hundreds of them. And then I just saved the ones I liked and the aspects I liked from these offices. And then I created my own design through the inspiration I got from Arch Daily. And maybe because it's so easy to get the 200 doctor's offices that are all very amazing in their own way, just saves so much time and eliminates the need of maybe a folder. I'm I'm always interested in these evolutions, you know, over 20 years. Like I used to have cutouts from magazines, mm -hmm. fill them in, in folders, sort them, throw them away when I didn't like them anymore. I would do that, check if, if I did still like it. As you said, like your style evolves. Like, yeah, but, but I always felt the need to have a, a collection of things that I could go to when someone would ask me, how do you like, like, how would you do a kitchen or a, a building or you know, uh, a library, I would have a collection of libraries that I like. And it's interesting that you say something similar by naming architects, because you kind of stamp a certain style on certain architects, which of course they, they have. I mean, Chipperfield, boxy, and Azar Hadid is fluid, spacey. Uh, <laughs> and, and you would actually look at their page and their projects to get inspiration and funny enough that's exactly how mid-journey also works like if you describe something a room and then you say in the style of Zahadid you'll get a Zahadid yeah. look-alike right I actually did that I prompted Zahadid skyscraper yeah. <laughs> it just was like okay yeah and people are afraid of that and saying well it's copying architects and saying, yeah but that's how people work too there's such a an evolution from the the first check of Ah Daily for uh, doctors' offices to the, the end result. Yeah. There's so many things playing in, like the opinion of the doctor and maybe the availability of some products, and then the price constraints, and so it kind of evolves and changes. That the end product is always different than what what your inspiration was. And I, maybe in some sort, it's quite like the building of Sahadid if you prompt it but it's a different person which writes those prompts. And maybe if it, it most definitely would come out differently if someone would build a, a hospital in the style of Sahadid, as if Sahadid herself yeah. built it. <laughs> yeah. Because those thoughts, those, this originality which existed within her, which gave her this popularity and, and yeah, this recognition. Song, yeah, just still exists in herself, yeah. and no one, I in my opinion, I think would ever get that great a building mm. in her style than herself. Yeah, it's a yeah. deep philosophical question, and I, I'm sure that the maker of Mid Journey are trying to kind of code that too, so that the AI also has its mm -hmm. ability to change very few aspects of something mm -hmm. to be almost like unique or maybe in a, in a repetitive way. It could evolve into a weird tool also. Mm -hmm. I think it would be the closest to playing God with, with AI by, by humans. 
trying to get the AI to be like a human being of having its own you know, mistakes and mm. uh, wrong thinkings and uh, prejudice about certain things. It's, it's, it, would be, it would be funny that we created AI to be just as flawed as humans are. That was actually a point in the podcast with Lex Friedman and Yoga Numa Harari. He said, it, it is not AI itself, which is a dangerous thing. It is how we design AI to be. Yeah. And if we are designing AI to be like humans with some sort of human errors, also emotions, also emotions, we have we are more likely to have a relationship with those persons, more with AI, I should say. I, I'm already... <laughs> You're already confusing them. <laughs> yeah. That we are having human relationships with AI because AI becomes like us. But we are designing AI to become like us. And therefore it's dangerous. I also like when he talks about the way AI can help us. It's a very optimistic description. Mm. Like he mentioned in one of his books, AI could analyze your emotions when you listen to music. And then yeah. when you're sad, it could play one special song only designed for you yeah. with different notes that just trigger exactly your emotions. And it's the perfect song for you at that moment. Yeah, I always keep in mind our profession and I think we have an incredible positive impact on that pyramid of needs and the highest level being like self-realization. And, and, and I think that a lot of people that come to architects to, to, to close the, the line about that question you had last week, like why do people go to architects, is to, to have these kind of discussions because they see architects are, as creators of homes and buildings. We all dress differently and behave differently, like the closest to our skin, but then the home is almost very common, but still personalized. Yeah. And I think that people come to architects to have something that is very specific to them. So they always want to be the architect with the architect. So the question of last week, like why do people come to architects? Because we know how to do that. We help other people do that self-realize like describe not only what they want but what they need it's much harder to find out of what you need than what you actually wish for because yeah. that implies that you have to be disciplined to achieve that you have to make sacrifices and everything but what you need is maybe something that is much closer to your habits and and daily life so they come to architects to find that fine distinction between what they wish for it could be status showing off what you have to me at least the best clients would be the ones that are ready to hear something that they don't want to hear like look i spent a month with you in the woods i know how you think how you like not necessarily how you think but how you behave on a daily basis what's important to you i observe that would be the best way of creating a space for someone i would love to have something that helps me analyze the emotions of that potential client to understand is that person in need of a wide space or a small space. Mm. I, I like the idea that the architect is the one that should be trained to find that out. Yeah. But I think we're now finding out more and more that it's like every single human being is an individual with his and her specific needs that it's, it's almost impossible. I need the help of AI to figure out those needs for 
a lot of people that come to, to get help, to define that for themselves. That's where I see the power of AI. Like yes. I would love to have that implemented in Apple Vision Pro and, and check where the eyes of the clients are going when we're walking through the woods and in a white space, in an enclosed space and sensing, you know, the sweat and go with those information, create a design that is almost like creating in real time based on those emotions and feelings and re requirements and needs. Maybe there are things that we can input ourselves and others that and we can tweak along the way, but a lot should be created by the, the client himself or the individual or the, uh, the person in need. That it would be amazing. Like, that, that is where the true power of AI lies, in my opinion, is analyzing humans. Like we see with big data and all the suggested advertisement we get from everything. Also, a study showed that if you like, I think, 50 posts on Facebook, the AI knows you better than your husband. Yeah. You have been for, with 20, yeah. for 20 years or something. So if you spend one month with your client in the woods and you have to analyze him and ask him all the questions and stuff, then you could maybe get close to what an AI could do in one day. If yeah. someone puts on Apple Vision Pro, Midjourney or some other uh, program prompts like pictures for him and then it senses his emotions. Yeah. Oh, I like that kitchen and then his heart rate goes up or something exactly. like that. Like where is he looking at in yeah. the image? And then, is he is he turned on by the knobs mm. or the absence of knobs? Is he like wow when he looks at an empty space or more as a cluttered space? Does he feel anxious? Yeah. That level of analysis I think has not been done by architects no. ever. Maybe through experience and maybe kind of some clients always come to the same architect because they like the style and they want want it like that but again it's more a i want it like this architect is doing it but then not necessarily what you really need mm. you know? yeah. ai could really personalize buildings for specific people absolutely yeah. but then the question is where does the style of the architect actually fits in the equation well, because yeah. AI will do everything for you. You have the perfect building for this human. Well, but again, again, sorry for interrupting, but that's the whole question when you, Patrick, said we're going to lose our jobs. I think maybe it leads us to a, the, the core question, what is your job as an architect? Mm. And I had another understanding of the job as an architect when I was studying than the one I have now. Mm. Doesn't mean that I, that I don't have, I was a student that was looking for a style. Now I'm not looking for a style anymore. I know what I like for myself. Yeah. And, and therefore I know that everyone else at a certain age kind of, you know, let's go of some things like hanging posters at home because that's what you do when you're a student, but now you have a home. So you'd rather want something that lasts longer or you get rid of posters because you don't need, need to be reminded by all the things that I like. Like I see here Michelangelo, beautiful and, and Picasso, Monet and Basquiat, which is great. You need that in your 20s, but not when you have a family or not when you have, when you're a bachelor, focusing on your work, you have your daily routines. I think a lot of men in their 30s need clarity and simplicity. Mm -hmm. I think that 
that explains the rise of minimalism in many regions by many architects for a certain clientele. And then at a certain point, maybe you need a little bit more of show off. So you have the style of the villa and so on. And, and when you're older, you need more fluid access to nature or to come again to, to the point. What's your role as an architect? I believe it's to facilitate the, the creation and the understanding of the client by the client himself with your aid. We are observers and we are the ones opening the drawers and taking out the examples, images, what we've collected, what we think is beautiful, that what we think would suit the, the person in front best with their needs, with their requirements. I mean, I'm talking to young families. Yeah. So automatically, the, the, those are three to four humans. And then, until now, I've only had a man, a woman, and a child, a girl or a boy. So very often, it's like two kids already. So you have an adult man, a baby boy, an adult woman, and a, a young girl. Those are four people you have to design for. They all have really different needs. Still, they want to be sheltered from the weather and outside dangers. And that's why I'm so interested in interior design. So much because rooms can help power or calm or trigger or help or bring together or separate people from each other to have their own space and privacy, but also common grounds like a sunken sofa. I think it's the most beautiful grounded thing to have people come together to talk to each other, spend time together, kids climbing on you and and, and maybe watch a movie or play together in a landscape. like And you have your own experience. I have my own experience, my own likings in those rooms. And of course, I'm going to offer these solutions to my clients, but it's still up to them, yeah. definitely, always. That was the hardest learning in the past mm -hmm, sure. five to 10 years working. Like, it's not up to you. You, know, it, you present options and you have to have many options and you have to have a drawer full of ideas and solutions to their requirements. To close the loop on that question about Pinterest, because I'd love to put a link on to my Pinterest. I used to have cutouts, then I started to have cutouts and online images like on my Mac. Then I had them both and I started scanning the images to have them on my Mac. Then I started printing the images that I had on my Mac to have them. It was a mess. It was, it was a huge mess. Was like, and, then, and then I stopped all that. I discovered Pinterest yeah. and it helped me because it was impossible to structure all those images. And Pinterest is an amazing tool I find. To, I have a huge library sorted by type of rooms, but also type of buildings. I used uh, Rem Kolha's structure of the Biennale from Venice from some years ago, where he had a, a presentation of all the different things that make up architecture from doors, windows, floors, ceilings. And I would put all the images that I love to come again to like your style. They're all a variety of chairs and sofas. And, and with clients, I would actually go, I would send them a link to my Pinterest. Like, this is my library. Pick out what you like. I'm sure you'll find something that you love. Otherwise, we're too far style-wise. But that never happened. They still found something that was cool, special, that you find because you scrap the internet and then find images because you have to hone that 
library over years and years and years, some things just don't appear in your first search. Sure. I would definitely recommend if you spend so much time on Instagram, then you know, pin it on some yeah, board yeah. and then you have it for when you need. So to close on that, thank you, Patrick, for your time. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. We definitely need an introduction to you next time. Yeah, okay. For the listeners, because they don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe we'll see if they like me or not. <laughs> no, it's all right. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, what a week it's been. Thanks for joining us on this captivating exploration of AI and architecture on Designing Dreams. Thank you so much, Moritz and Patrick, for the great conversation. I learned a lot from you guys, so thank you very much. Dear listeners, stay tuned for our next episode, where we delve into uh, the world of Patrick, one of our insightful guests today. Uh, get ready to uncover his journey, perspectives, and the inspiration driving his passion for architecture and design. Don't miss the chance to connect with Patrick on a more personal level and for your weekly dose of cutting-edge AI design news head over to ViennaArchitect.com I keep it fresh over there creating the coolest AI design updates don't miss out subscribe to my weekly newsletter for a direct inbox delivery of AI tools and news related to architecture big thanks for joining this episode I really appreciate you guys I find it so exciting to talk about the future, covering new perspectives, and I love sharing that with you. Hope you gain some fresh knowledge. And if you enjoyed it, of course, give us your best rating and hit subscribe for notifications on every new episode dropping every Monday. This one was an exception, but usually every Monday. We're now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so no more excuses for not following the show. Share the love with friends, family, whoever you know is interested in architecture and AI. Join our exclusive WhatsApp group for insider news. Contact in the show notes below. Huge shout out to Autodesk for sponsoring this show. You rock, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. So I really hope you tune in next week. And in the meantime, have a great one. Bye-bye.